sitting high atop a mountain is a thing. And on top of that thing is a guy with another thing that he is holding. But that thing isn't just anything, and that guy isn't just any guy. He is the two zillion year old hippie. And he has the answers for those who dare to ask the magnificent questions. Bring him your magnificent questions. Hey, hey, everybody, it's me, the two-zillion-year-old hippie. What can I tell you? Not too much going on up here on the big rock candy mountain. Cynthia's getting ready to do some spring cleaning on her uh, circuit board. At least I think it's circuits. There seem to be a surprising number of tubes lying about as well. I I guess she's partially analog. I, I really am not up on all that, man. But uh, anyway, we got a show chock full of goodies. So let's get to our first magnificent question. Hello, Hippie and Cynthia. I'm one of those robots that troll the internet. But you don't make questioners type in those letters, so ha, ha. Here's my magnificent question. I read that the Standing Stones of Stonehenge had the ideal acoustics to amplify a repetitive trance rhythm, and the original Stonehenge probably had a very pleasant, almost concert-like acoustic that our ancestors slowly perfected over many generations. My question is, did you attend any raves at Stonehenge? I love you, Cynthia. Get in line, Cyberboy. Whoa, Cynthia, that seems kind of harsh. I mean, clearly this man has feelings for you. He's no man. He isn't even an appliance. He's just software. But still, man, he has a purpose. He trolls the internet. Who wants a troll for a man? Anyway, answer his question. You spin me right round, baby, right round, like a record, baby, right round, round, round. You spin me right round, baby, right round, like a record, baby, right round, round, round. Okay, okay, Cynthia, it's cool, man. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for the uh, magnificent question. And uh, second of all, man, Stonehenge. Juh, juh. Rhymes with door hinge and orange. Stonehenge. Okay, anyway. Uh, yeah, no, no, Stonehenge, sure, man. I, I, I can tell you a thing or five about Stonehenge. You know, uh... Uh, this story takes us back away. It's probably, I don't know, eight, 9,000 years. But Cahody and I were looking for a little bit of property, and we happened to cross a really nice spot about 3.2 clicks west of Amesbury and about 13 clicks north of Salisbury, give or take, anyway. But uh, but anyway, man, this seemed like a real nice spot, so uh, so we picked it out. Well, what we were really looking for is uh, Cahody and I had this uh, had this kind of weird competition, man. We wanted to see who could spit dope seeds the farthest. And uh, so we actually got about uh, three, four hundred locals uh, to come on out to uh, pay us a little bit of money to come out and, 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 and see this spectacle. And uh, Cahody and I were very good at it, man. We managed to... Uh, to stand back to back and and spit those seeds a good uh, 20 meters or so, man, and formed a big circle of seeds around us there. And, uh, well, it was so popular, man. The next year we invited everybody off for the super seed-a-thon. But, of course, at this point we had uh, ratcheted up our technology quite a bit. Cahody had invented his Weedapult. And uh, I came in with my Potbow, man. 
So now we were able to launch these seeds a lot, lot farther, like uh, 100 meters, man. It was really cool. And so we stood back to back, and this time we got about 1,000 people, man, to pay us to see us launch all these seeds. And we did. We launched a big old giant circle of seeds, man, all around there. It was quite spectacular. Well, the next year, man, all, all the seeds took, took root, and, and they started growing up. And, and we ended up with these two huge circles of, uh, of all these fantastic uh, plants from all the, the weed seeds that we had thrown out there, man. And, well, it became known as the Stoned Hedge. And, uh, of course, everybody wanted to, you know, come out to the Stoned Hedge, as you can imagine. And so we started putting on concerts, man, but, uh, but the acoustics were kind of poor up there. And, and so we realized that we were going to need to have, you know, some sort of... Of, uh, some sort of container, some sort of shelter for us to, to put ourselves in, and, and, and that would improve the uh, the acoustics. Uh. Now, originally, we built this, we just surrounded it with a big wooden thing, man, but it got kind of stuffy in there during the thing. In fact, uh, we kind of smoked the place up so bad that the thing kept burning down, and so we realized that we needed to put up uh, a big stone thing, but then we also realized that uh, we had to have some ventilation, and, and it was really Cahody who got the idea that we just alternate stone Doobie ventilation system, stone, doobie ventilation system. And uh, that, that, that worked out pretty good, man, uh, except for the acoustics. And I came up with kind of a clever workaround on that thing, man. I had this idea for this other thing, man, that I that I thought would be cool to do. I don't know if you've ever seen these things. It's like this old ancient kind of animation thing where you take a cylinder and you cut holes into the side of the cylinder and then you put uh, little drawings inside the cylinder uh, in between the holes and then you spin it and you look through the holes and, and it looks like it's uh, animated, man. It's like an early form of, uh, of movies. Well, I actually invented this concept 8,000 years ago with Stonehenge. But what I decided to do, man, was since obviously we can't spin Stonehenge, I also invented uh, railroad tracks. And so we built like circular railroad tracks around Stonehenge. And then I painted these different pictures on the inside of the stones, right, man? And then we would put you inside this special cart and we would push this cart really fast in a circle around Stonehenge. And it would look like an animated movie. And in this way, I was able to turn the place into the first animated movie theater. Now, you're probably saying, wow, that's really cool. But it's so much easier to make a small wooden thing and to spin it like the ones you see why didn't you just do that? And of course, the answer is that did not occur to me. So here's what we got. We got Stonehenge, we got paintings on the inside, we got the tracks on the outside, and we got the thing going around. Now, we had our house band that we called the Dervishes, man. And what we would do is we would put the Dervishes in the middle of the thing, man. And then we would fill the thing with about 5,000 people, man, and they would wear these big gowns, and we would have them all spin clockwise inside Stonehenge. And then we take the animated train thing that we have spinning around the outside. And I put that thing, man, counterclockwise, okay? So we got the guy spinning clockwise, we got the band in the middle, and we got the thing spinning counterclockwise uh, around the outside. And what that does, as any sound engineer can tell you, is creates a universal sound cyclone, which goes up into the universe and then triggers the sounds that all the planets naturally make as they go through the heavens, but that we can't normally hear. And, you know, it was extremely cool, as you can imagine. Everybody liked to, to come out to see it. Now, uh, I'm guessing there are probably some folks listening, man, who are like, you know, those kind of doubters and, and think maybe perhaps this is not true. And here's, here's all I can say, man. Build the train track around Stonehenge. Put the train in the thing, man. Get the 5,000 dervish squirrelers. Get the dervishes to play in the middle. Call me. Because I so want to see the look on your face when you turn out to be wrong, man. That's, uh, that's, that's really all I can say about that. All I know is that's me. You just like it lots of fun. Open up your loving arms.
Yeah, hey man. Uh, oh yeah, this is Gandhi from uh, The Grow Report. I was wondering, you've been around for a time, right? So uh, in the 60s, people always said, uh, don't trust anybody over 30. How did you handle that, man? Did they trust you? I, I, I mean, I'm guessing you taught them a lot of things. Sure, man, the 60s, you know, it was a while ago, but I'm sure if I focus here a little bit, I'll uh, I'll be able to recall it. Oh, oh, yeah, it's all coming back to me. Why nobody trusted anybody over 30? That was because they were all dead, man. See, we all had these uh, jewels that they put in our palm, man, and uh, when you turned 30, man, like the jewel in your palm would light up, and then you'd have to report to this place where they would kill you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is right. Let's see. I also recall uh, Farrah Fawcett and uh, Robot and... Oh, oh, wait a minute, man. That's Logan's run. Hold on. Let me uh, let me focus a little bit harder here. I'm sure it will all come back to me. Let's see. Uh, I remember never take the word of anybody who's over 30 feet tall, but that was more a rule of thumb for hallucinations. I have a rule of thumb also that I don't trust anybody from the 30th dimension, but... Uh, you know, what can I say? We have history, and that may just be me. Never trust anybody who's taken 30 doses. That's a solid. Oh, here's a good rule of thumb, man. Never trust anybody who's worth more than $30 billion, man. Trust me, I've been screwed over by a bunch of these guys, and, well, there's a way you manage to keep the profits and palm off the losses, and we'll just stick clear of those multi-millionaire guys. They're, they're not worth it, man. And uh, that's that's pretty much everything I can remember about the number 30, man. So I uh, certainly hope that was your question. Hey, old man. This is uh, Gandhi again from the Grove Reports. So I was wondering, when uh, LSD hit the scene, you were like almost two zillion years old. How, was, how did you handle that? Did you call up Albert, Albert Hoffman and... Who? What? Say what again. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, man. I'll let you answer the question. Uh, zip it up and zip it out. Here's this thing, man. Uh, over the millions of years that the human race has existed, they discover, embrace, and then forget about the psychedelics in the world periodically. And this happened after uh, the great uh, alien mushroom invasion of 12,000 BC. And, you know, it happened again with the... Uh, with the early Christians, and uh, and it happened again. Now, let me let me say this for uh, for at least with the hippies and the LSD and all that sort of stuff, man. It went so much better than the ergot thing with the Salem witch trials. So you know, uh, uh, at least some people got to have some parties, and and you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, of course, some people you know got caught by the man and and, and did do some time, but still, at least uh, at least nobody got burned at the stake, man. Uh, you got to take what you can get. restless leg syndrome. Why does my leg jump up and down sometimes? I don't know, man. I've been meaning to ask you about that because, like, uh, you're a toaster, man, and you shouldn't even have legs, so why do they jump up and down all the time?
Not my leg. His leg. Whose leg? Big Dave's leg. Yeah, man, I uh, I think it's mostly a male thing. I have to admit I'm guilty of that myself. It's annoyed many, many a woman over the uh, over the multitudes. But here's the interesting thing about this, man. Everybody who shakes their leg like that shakes their leg at the exact same tempo, which, of course, is the universal tempo, man. So uh, you may be annoying the hell out of others around you, but uh, at least you're hip to that. The wind goes through the valley, it's warm and hard and wild. It gets up all inside the trees, it shakes the leaves all night. It shakes up to the mountain, it shakes up to the sky. It shakes up to the moon above, and then it starts to shine. Lord, it makes me tremble. Questions. Email him at 2zillionhippie at gmail.com or Skype him at zillionhippie. 